Hello, everyone, and welcome to The InDesigner, the podcast that provides information, instruction, and insight to designers using or learning Adobe InDesign. I'm your host, Michael Murphy, and if you've been a regular listener, you already know that I'm a magazine art director with 18 years' experience as a designer, and that I converted to InDesign from Cork Express and have never looked back. And I'll tell you one more thing about myself. I do not travel light. I always seem to be schlepping a lot of stuff along. Just going to work every day, there's at least a laptop, an iPod, and related accessories, a cell phone, some DVDs, uh, pens and paper, a newspaper, some magazines, and a bottle of water. And that pales in comparison to what I'm like on a business trip or vacation. Why do you need to know this? Because this week's episode is called A Place for Your Stuff, a title that I owe to the classic George Carlin routine about how finding a place for all of that stuff and deciding what you really need is always a challenge. As designers, there's a lot of stuff we need at a moment's notice. And in this episode, we're going to take a look at a great place for your stuff in InDesign, and that is libraries. If you've made the switch from Express, you probably are already familiar with libraries. If not, let me quickly say that a library is a place where you can store commonly used elements for quick reuse in your layouts. A library is not an InDesign file, nor is it a palette, and yet it's both. When you create a library by selecting File, New, Library, you're creating an InDesign library file which uses a .indl extension. But creating a library doesn't just create a file, it also creates a palette. I'll name this library samplelibrary.indl, and now I have a new palette with a tab that is my new library, and we're going to start adding to this empty library. But what should we add, and why? Does your company or do your clients have about a dozen variations of their logo, from CMYK to black and white to Pantone to Knockout and so on? Tired of navigating to their folder on your hard drive or network and scrolling to the right file every time you need to place it in a layout? Then build a client-based library. I'm going to place all the variations of a company logo I designed into this document by selecting all of their icons from this folder window on my hard drive and just dragging them into my InDesign file. This is a lot faster than using the file place method one at a time. Now I've got my seven different logo variations placed very roughly in this one file. Just to keep things neat, I'm going to quickly spread them out on the page to make them easier to see and to deal with. Now let's start adding these to our library. I can't just select them all and drag them into the library because it would consider them one library item, and dragging them in one by one into the library is a waste of time, so I'll just go to the palette menu for this library and select Add Items on Page as Separate Objects. And there they are. If I switch for the library from this thumbnail view to a list view and open up this palette, you can see that each logo has been added with its original file name, which is the default behavior when you add a single placed image to a library. But you can change that name to anything you like. Since I named my files in very obvious ways, I'm keeping these default names. It's important to note that as I'm building this library, my InDesign document is nothing more than a temporary staging area for the objects I'm adding. So I'm going to select all these placed logos and delete them. Notice that even though the logos are gone from the page, they remain in the library palette. Because they no longer have anything to do with this file, they're part of the library now. So I'm going to close this temporary working file for now, but I'll keep my library and everything in it still available to me. And I'm going to open a brand new file to start working with these library elements.
I'm also going to open the swatches palette, and I want you to keep your eye on this palette as I bring in one of these library objects. I'm going to select the name of one of the Pantone versions of the logo, and place it on the page just by dragging its name out of the library. Watch the swatches palette as I release the mouse and it's placed on the page. Notice that the color Pantone 1595 has been added to the swatches for this document. It's in the Illustrator file, so it gets added to the swatches in InDesign automatically. Think about that and let's take this one step further. You may have created a custom color palette for all of the collateral materials you're, you design for a client, and when you work for them you have to use those colors. Yes, you can go to the swatches palette, select load swatches, find the last job you did for that client, if it's still on your hard drive, and add those swatches to your document. But since we're building a new library for this client, we're going to try it another way. I actually have a color reference guide for this client that I'm going to open up, and it contains all the colors for their corporate communications. I'm going to select all of these colored squares, which have the custom swatches you see in the palette applied to them, and add them to the library just by dragging them into the library palette. Since this library item is made up of several objects, it's named Untitled by default. But I can just double-click that name in the list and name it Fusion Color Palette then click OK. And once again, I'm going to close this file without saving anything at all. And now, let's pretend it's six months later. I haven't heard from this client in all that time, and I backed up almost all of their work onto disks I'm too lazy to go look for. Now they call me up and they need something again. Since I kept the library file on my hard drive, I can quickly resurrect this set of colors in any InDesign file just by dragging the library item I called Fusion Color Palette into the file. Watch the swatches palette when I release the mouse. All of my client's swatches are now added to this file. And keep your eye on the swatches palette as I immediately delete these colored boxes, which I don't actually need. The boxes are gone, but the colors stay with the document. What I've shown you is just scratching the surface. A library or any other InDesign feature may be great on its own, but when you use it in combination with the other great features of the application, it becomes exponentially more useful. As we've seen, library objects bring along with them their own swatches, but they also store object styles, as well as paragraph and character styles. You can save grids and guides as library objects, as well as an item's layer position and its location on the page. Let's put some existing libraries to work in a real layout to demonstrate how useful they can be. This is a news section from a magazine that starts with a single left-hand opener and is continued on a two-page spread. The main body copy has already been threaded through the document, and I have to allow for some sidebars, a photo, and a fractional ad before the design can be finalized. Right now, I've got two libraries open in this palette, one for frequently used page items and one for different fractional ad sizes. They're in the same palette now, but I could easily pull one out and make them separate palettes. Doing this also allows me to copy any item from one library into the other library simply by selecting it and dragging it into the other library palette. But for the sake of saving space on screen, I'm going to just keep these two together in one palette. Now the first thing I want to do is to get a photo on this text-heavy opening page, so I'll select the two-column photo with caption from the library and drag it right into position. Moving on to my second spread, I need to add a one-column sidebar called Up the Chain, but rather than drag it onto the page, I'm going to place it in using the Place Items option from the Library Palette menu. 
This places the sidebar in the exact same position on this page that it was when it was first added to the library. So libraries also eliminate the need to manually position elements that go in consistent places. And take a look at the object styles palette now. I've got an up the chain and up the chain photo style that correspond to the text frame and the graphic frame respectively. They were part of the object when it was originally added to the library and now they're part of this document. I'm going to quickly add a different two-column sidebar on this page by dragging it out of the library and moving it into position. And then I'm going to move over to the right-hand side of the spread. Switching to my fractional add units library, I'm going to place a half-page add using place item, and it goes right into the position that I need it. But I see now that I have a lot of overflowing text here, probably more than my editors want to cut, so I need to put in a smaller add unit. So I'll bring back my libraries, delete this half-page add, and place a one-third page unit in that position instead, again using place items so that it goes in exactly the spot that I want. Before I wrap this lesson up, let me just point out another thing that's going on here with regard to layers in this document. This add unit is on a layer called fractional adds, but that layer wasn't in this document when I started working in it. I'm going to quickly delete this add as well as the layer that it's on and I want you to watch the layers palette as I place the ad from the library again. Note that the fractional ads layer is back because the layer information is part of the attributes of the library item no matter what document I put it in provided that my layer preferences are set to paste remembers layers. I have one more thing I need on this page, and that's a small item called Soundbite, which is like a quote of the month that goes in every issue. And now I've got very little overflowing text, everything I need on the spread to finish up this layout, including a place to put a photo on the first page. And all of it was brought in as library items without me having to apply text wrap options, colors, text frame options, and many, many other time-consuming settings I'd rather not make over and over. So when you're looking for a place for your stuff, look no further than libraries. That's it for this episode, everyone. Just a reminder, you can post comments on the blog at www.theindesigner.com, send an email to info at or look for me on AIM or iChat as The InDesigner. A quick reminder before I go of some upcoming events as well. If you're in the New York area, there's another meeting of the New York InDesign User Group on April 25th. And if any of you have plans to be at the InDesign Conference or the Creative Suite Conference in Chicago from May 15th to the 20th, I'll be there as well, and I'm hoping to meet a lot of listeners. It sounds like it's going to be a great event with a lot to learn. Until next week, this is Michael Murphy for the InDesigner Video Podcast. Thanks for watching.